Good morning. It is another beautiful Sunday morning here in Mango. It's October 25th. The month is just flying by on us. We're going to get started here with our worship this morning. We're going to have some announcements. Uh, then we're going to have a great uh, sermon. I can't wait to see what Tim has in store for us with the ladders here. But uh, we're going to sing some songs. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And we're going to spend some time truly devoted to lifting our Father up. But before we start on that this morning, we're going to go through a couple of announcements here. Thanks for joining us uh, both here and at home. Uh, Ron and Kayla Schwind are now at home. Kayla's recovering nicely. We want to keep remembering them in our prayers. And we've also got a, a meal system set up for her after she's been in her accident um, to try to keep them fed. So if you can help with that, please reach out to Angela Steed or there's instructions online for that as well. Uh, Harold Stutzman is home and continuing um, but he's still at risk for future seizures, and he's going to be on some different medications. So we want to make sure we keep him in our prayers, make sure that those medications are working out for him. Faye Brown is recovering at home after her neck surgery, so we want to keep her in our prayers. And uh, we need to continue to keep uh, George Klein in our prayers. He got his biopsy results uh, this week to, that revealed that he has a, a form of leukemia that is more chronic and treatable. So there's a silver lining for that cloud. It is that... Uh, it is not quite as serious as it could have been, but certainly uh, he has got some, some healing and, and restoration ahead of him as well, so we want to keep him in our prayers. David Harkins still remains in the hospital. We need to uh, keep him in our prayers, and, and he is uh, kind of really hoping for some, some visiting and some encouragement as well. So if you can help out with that, there's information for that online. And then Ron Betty McCormick tested positive for COVID-19 this week, so we want prayers needed for them. Um, especially since Betty just had a recent major surgery involving her lungs. So we need to keep them in our prayers as well. The list keeps growing for Bay Area. We need to just be actively prayerful warriors on behalf of these people. And so we're just going to pause for a moment right now and, uh, and bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a God who bestowed so many blessings on us. We thank you for, for loving us. We thank you for giving us our health, for, for just blessing us in so many ways, Father. We pray that you'll help us to be a blessing to others. In a very special way this morning, Lord, we pray that you'll be with those members of this body that are hurting, members of your body all over the world that are hurting and are in need, and in need of, of comforting and of healing from you. We pray that you'll give us all a peace that surpasses our own understanding. Help us to be strengthened by each other and strengthened in your word. Others in contact with. As in your son's name we pray. Amen. Matt, am I doing okay on the audio? Okay. A um, couple of more announcements here this morning. Uh, Faith Lane, for the, the Faith Lane kids are going to continue to do their Zoom calls with Miss Angie. Um, those are taking place on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Uh, they've been a blast for everybody that's been involved with those. So if you're on Faith Lane and you haven't taken part in a Zoom pajama party with Miss Angie, you want to make sure you get the details for that. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. The youth group, we need to remember that uh, Sunday classes will be meeting at 1 p.m. from now on instead of at noon. So uh, you'll have a little extra time to have lunch. But if you're in the, the youth group, you need to make sure that you're Zooming in with Robbie at 1 p.m. Um, there's also going to be formation you need to uh, check in with Robbie, a formation of a Wednesday night uh, homeroom, which would be an opportunity to come here to the building and socially distanced, kind of work on some homework, spend a little time fellowshipping with each other. And there's also going to be the creation of a uh, family night that's going to be coming up that uh, is going to be a lot of fun as well. Robbie's working on these. These family worship evenings are going to be for all youth group and Faith Lane families. The first event's going to be Sunday, November 1st 
6 p.m. here at the church grounds. We're going to have a, a, a bonfire and some singing and some fellowship together in a socially distant way. So go ahead and mark your calendars for November 1st at 6 p.m., and hopefully we'll see you out there for that. Um, if you are wanting to come join us here at the building, we still have a little bit of space left. Um, by all means, we'd love to have you here. Uh, go online, watch the video, learn the proper protocols and etiquettes, and uh, sign up. Um, we're asking that anybody who wants to come to worship would sign up the Thursday before by, uh, by noon. And then if for some reason you can't make it, please give Tom Manley a call or reach out to the office so we can make sure that uh, we can make sure that everyone is accommodated in a socially distant way. Um, please keep in mind our missionaries, the work that they're doing all across the globe. Um, this past week in southern India, some of the missionaries that we've been supporting there were able to meet in person for the first time since March 22nd. Um, and so that's a tremendous blessing. They're continuing to do great work and uh, in a very trying and difficult time. So let's keep them in our prayers as well. And then. Uh, Last but not least, the, the Bay Area Fall Festival took place last night. Uh, it was a great time. Some of you were there. Um, in fact, we had a great turnout. We had between 75 and 100 people that kind of came and went. We found out that uh, some of us in this family have some tremendous pumpkin carving skills. Um, more than a handful decided to uh, really put it out there and go for the pie-eating contest, and we now have a new Bay Area pie-eating champion in Mark Stutzman. So, uh, he is looking for all challengers next year to come and uh, dethrone him. But it was a great time. Uh, if, you, if you didn't come out, you missed out on it. Um, and so we, uh, we're going to try to make up for that a little bit right now. We've got a short video, about five minutes, that, uh, that we're going to see here and watch uh, to, to show the great time that we had fellowshipping with each other. And then as soon as that video is, after, uh, is done, we will begin service with our singing. So stay tuned. Happy Fall Festival! 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 Oh, it's on. Uh, happy Fall Festival! Happy, happy! Glad you're here. Glad we're here. Happy, happy Fall, Fall Festival!
Sing with me, please. Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams, in my darkest hour you are the Lord of all.
song before um, Brother Tim comes up to give us the message today. My life is in you. We'll start off with the basics. My life's in you, Lord. My strength's in you, Lord. My hope's in you. It's in you. It's in you. My life's in you, Lord. My strength's in you, Lord. My hope's in you. watching online than there are here uh, in the building this morning. Um, we're glad we're all together this morning. And yes, as Mike referenced, there's a little bit different look on the stage up here this morning. Got some ladders up here with me this morning. And I know all of you women are thinking right now, those ladders shouldn't be up there. 
That doesn't look good. What's the deal? Yeah, somebody should put those up. And all of you Faith Lane kids are thinking, if I get a chance, I'm climbing that ladder. And all of you men are thinking, I could use that ladder. I've got a ladder just like that, but I could use another one. And all of you teenagers are thinking, what ladder? What's he talking about? But there's no reconstruction going on. There's no lights to be changed. They're up here for a reason this morning. Um, what I want to talk to you about this morning is important. And I want to use the ladders up here um, to help us remember some things this morning. But I don't want you just to remember that there was ladders on the stage. And I really don't want you just to remember what the sermon was about. What I'm really hoping for are these, the fact that these ladders maybe help us to um, think differently about Jesus. Because a lot of you I know are like me, you're visual learners. And I want this visual to help us uh, maybe affect the way we think about Jesus. We are in a sermon series, the book of Philippians. What cannot be quarantined is what we're calling this sermon series. And I mentioned when we began this thing, this isn't necessarily going to be a walk through Philippians. It's not going to be verse by verse or probably not even chapter by chapter. But instead, I want it to be sort of thought by thought. Because Paul shares some really important things in this little short book. And some things that he wants his listeners, his readers, us, to know and to understand. And I want to take a look at a passage this morning that I think might be the most significant part of this whole letter. And I'm saying that in a, talking about a letter that has a lot of significant parts in it. Um, it's significant because Paul is going to speak specifically about Jesus. He wants his readers to know something about Jesus. And in true Pauline fashion, he doesn't want them just to know something about Jesus. He's sharing this information because he wants his listeners, his readers, to be more like Jesus. And that's where the ladders come in. I want to use the ladders to sort of represent and to remind us of those ladders that we climb. And I also want to use the ladders to represent the, the ladders that maybe Jesus climbs as well. Because we're all ladder climbers. I mean, let's face it. Most of you who are older than 18 or 20, especially us guys, we remember our first car, right? Don't you remember the first car you had? I very well remember my first car. It was kind of a hand-me-down, actually. My older brother got a new car. I sort of inherited his car. It was a 1969 Mercury Cougar. I love that car. I would love to have that car back. But to be honest, when I was driving that car, I was kind of thinking about my next car. Because my next car was going to have an 8-track tape player in it. And it did. And then when I was driving that car, I was kind of thinking about my next car. Because my next car was going to have air conditioning. And it did. Now, we sort of expect our cars to climb the ladder of luxury and value, right? We get that. You hear real estate people talking about starter homes. And we understand what that means. It's not the dream home. 
It's not the home we're going to have forever. It's just where we start. And then we expect our homes to kind of climb the ladder of size and uh, value and beauty and function and all those things. Now we want our kids to climb ladders as well, don't we? We want you to do well on this test. Why? So you can get a good grade in this class. Why? So you can get in the honors program. So you can graduate with a high grade point average. So you can get in the right school. So you can major in the right thing. So you can graduate from college. So you can get in a graduate program. So you can get the right job making the right salary. So you can take care of me in my old age. Uh, we want our kids to climb ladders. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I want my kids to be successful. I want to be successful. I think what it comes down to is, okay, how am I going to measure success? Ladder climbing has an impact on our lives. It just does. And ladder climbing also has an impact on our spiritual lives. Here's the text in Philippians that, that I want to really focus on this morning. It's going to look familiar to you. It's a well-known text. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where Paul says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is a really powerful section of scripture. But I'm going to confess something to you this morning. For most of my life, I misunderstood this passage. Or at least if I didn't misunderstand it, I underappreciated this passage. This is a ladder climbing passage. Look again at verses 5 through 7. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Understanding that phrase is really key to understanding and appreciating who Jesus is and what he was about. Now, I think most of us will agree that what Paul is doing here in that uh, statement is agreeing or affirming what John said as he began his gospel. You remember how the gospel of John begins? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then if you skip down to verse 14 in chapter 1 of John, John writes, uh, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Here in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is uh, agreeing with John and affirming God the Father and Jesus the Son's oneness by telling us Jesus, being in very nature God, being one with God, took on the very nature of a servant. Now, here's why I tell you for a long time I misunderstood that passage. I, I used to read that statement, Jesus being in very nature God became a servant, and I always kind of took it to mean, well, Jesus, in spite of the fact that he was God, became a servant. 
And that always made sense to me. And from a human standpoint, that makes sense, right? I mean, if Jesus is God, well, then he's in charge of everything. If Jesus is God, then all creation serves God, serves Jesus. If I were God, I would make sure that everyone served me. I always do explain this scripture by saying, Jesus became a servant in spite of the fact that he was God. But when you understand the context here, and when you understand the, the flow of Paul's argument, I think Paul is really saying just the opposite. I think Paul is trying to teach us in this passage that our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus who, precisely because he was in very nature God, and precisely because he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, he became a servant. Jesus became a servant, not in spite of the fact that he was God. He became a servant because he was God. Which is really a thought that kind of blows you away, doesn't it? I mean, think about that for a minute. Jesus, the Messiah, one with God, became a servant. That's who he is. That's his nature. It's kind of unbelievable, but it's also kind of fantastic. You know, think about this. When Jesus came to earth, he came as the most humble person that ever lived. He came in the form of a servant, but he wasn't disguising who God was. He wasn't, he wasn't like, okay, I'm really God, but I'm going to act like a servant. He wasn't disguising God. He was revealing who God is when Jesus came as a servant. He's God, and because of that, he came to serve. And this section of Scripture in Philippians 2, this, uh, this, this passage that we're looking at, it describes a ladder climber. But it doesn't describe a ladder climber in the context that we're programmed to think of climbing the ladder. You know, as Americans especially, we've kind of been programmed to think that how we've got to climb whatever ladder that we're working on, climbing up the ladder. But what we're going to see in Philippians chapter 2 is Jesus wasn't climbing up the ladder. He was climbing down the ladder. And in God's eyes, that's what's really great. So Paul starts at the very beginning. Paul starts at, at the very top. Jesus, being in very nature God. Jesus and God being one. His essence, his being is God. Now, if we were charting the universe, where would we put God? We'd put him right up there at the top, right? I mean, how much higher can you go than God? There's no one above God. Pretty hard for God to get a job promotion, right? Uh, you know, he would be the top rank. And that's where Jesus starts. Jesus starts at the very top of the ladder. There's no other rung above Jesus. He's at the top. Toward the end of his life on earth, one of Jesus' disciples asked him, would you just show us the Father? Remember Jesus' response, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father 
living in me who is doing his work. Jesus begins at the very top of the ladder. But he doesn't consider that position something to be held on to. He doesn't say, since I am at the very top of the ladder, I am going to demand to have my way in all things, at all times. Jesus does an amazing thing. He gives it up. He comes down a couple rungs on the ladder. He becomes a servant. He moves from God to servanthood. He's a servant. But when you think about it, you can still be pretty high up on the ladder and be a servant. I mean, the Bible talks about angels being servants. Um, in Mark's account of the gospel, when Jesus is led into the, the uh, wilderness to be tempted, Mark tells us that once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. Angels served Jesus. You know, all through Scripture, we read about angels ministering and announcing and serving. So you can be pretty high up on the ladder and still be a servant. But Jesus comes on down the ladder. He goes lower still, climbs down a few more rungs. Jesus becomes a human being. He takes on flesh and blood. He accepts our means, our limitations. Jesus, again, the Son of God, the Messiah, becomes human. I already referenced John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Matthew is going to give it to us just a little bit more direct. Matthew chapter 1. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus climbs down a couple more rungs on the ladder. He becomes a human. But you know, there are some human beings that are still pretty high up on the ladder. Think about kings and entertainers, millionaires, billionaires. You can be a human being and still find yourself pretty high up on that ladder. So Jesus takes another demotion. Climbs down a few more rungs on the ladder. He doesn't just become a human being. He becomes a very poor human being. Jesus is born into a very poor family. He's a peasant kid. He was born a peasant. Luke chapter 12 is talking about, or chapter 2, verse 12, talking about the birth of Jesus. And this is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger. Perhaps snugly in strips of cloth. You want to find the Messiah? He's going to be born in a barn, wrapped up in rags. He's born a peasant to a very poor family in a very poor region, a very poor area. But you know, <laughs> there's lots of poor people, right? And sometimes even a poor people, just by force of, uh, of, 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 of uh, um, strength, just by you know, a physical assertion, just by being someone that this is, his physical character is something that rallies people around him, just his looks physically imposing, you know, he can draw people to him. But Jesus 
climbs down a couple more rungs on the ladder. He's not a physically imposing person. He's a very unimpressive human being as far as human beings go. Remember the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah would tell us he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So now Jesus has lowered himself to an unimpressive human being physically. How much lower is he willing to go? Well, quite a bit. Because the world's filled with low-income, ordinary-looking people. But Jesus actually steps down another rung or two. By the time he begins his public ministry, Jesus is homeless. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. To the world looking at this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, he wasn't God. He wasn't a prosperous man. He wasn't a physically impressive man. He owned no property, no business, no home. Jesus isn't climbing up the ladder. He's climbing down the ladder. And he just keeps going down. He becomes obedient to death. Jesus was willing to die in obedience to the Father. Look again at, at Philippians chapter 2. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. In other words, Jesus' ultimate task, his mission accomplished moment, wasn't some glorious achievement. It wasn't something that people dream of. There's no glamour in death. Yet even at death, even being obedient to death, Jesus is still a ladder climber. Because there's one more rung still to go. One rung lower, even death on a cross. And in the first century, when you came to death on a cross, that was the bottom. That was the bottom of the ladder. That is as low as a person could possibly go in the first century. Among Jesus' people, the, the law said this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus didn't just become obedient to death. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus climbed down the ladder as low as he could go. Not in spite of the fact that he was God. He climbed down the ladder because he was God. Precisely because he was God, he climbed down the ladder. And, and here's our problem. You know, our, our, our culture says that success involves climbing up the ladder. Whatever ladder it is we're climbing up, we've got to get to the top. And the problem with buying into that message, the problem with buying is I've got to get to the top of the ladder, is if I'm climbing up the ladder, at some point, I'm going to pass Jesus on his way down. And I'm going to miss him completely. He's coming down the ladder. 
And it turns out that serving other people, it turns out that living your life focused on compassion and kindness and gentleness and sacrificial love, that's the most godlike thing we can do. Because those are the things that God is like. That's who God is. And so Jesus is going to start this little community. He's going to start a kingdom. It's going to start very small. And he wants us to know in this kingdom, uh, we're not going to have ladder climbers. But the people that are listening to him, his disciples, even the people that are following him, they're having a hard time with the message. Because just like us, they're ladder climbers. In fact, they actually get in arguments about who's the best ladder climber. They actually fight among each other about who's going to be the number one disciple. Luke tells us this in Luke 22. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now, they had this argument more than once, by the way. Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus is trying to teach them what true greatness really is. But the lecture thing's not working too well for them. They're listening to Jesus' teaching, but, but they're not picking up on it too well. Uh, so Jesus decides to use a prop. But he's not going to bring in a ladder. Instead, he's going to bring in a towel. And he's going to bring a basin of water. Because the truth is, they were visual learners too, I think. Um, so Jesus uses a prop. The most menial job that you could have in the first century was washing someone's feet. That was a bottom of the ladder kind of job. Um, you know, feet are nasty anyway. But in the first century, wearing sandals, walking everywhere, yeah, feet were real nasty. And if you washed someone's feet, that, that's, that's as low as you could possibly go. So the night before Jesus is betrayed, he gets together with his closest disciples for a meal. But no one's thought about bringing in a foot washer. Didn't occur to anybody to hire somebody to come in and wash the disciples' feet. And the disciples, they're sure not going to do it. Um, so Jesus does it himself. He washes their feet. And Jesus, being in very nature God, takes a towel and a basin of water and he washes their feet. No one ever made headlines as a foot washer. <laughs> they don't hold uh, parades for foot washers. Nobody rallies behind towel bearers. You know, they rally behind sword bearers, right? But Jesus takes a towel precisely because he was in nature God. He gets down on his knees precisely because he was the very nature God. And he takes those dirty, nasty feet and one by one, man by man, foot by foot, he washes their feet. These guys are climbers, you know, just like I am, just like you are. And then when Jesus finishes, listen to what he, he says to his disciples. I've set you an example you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus said, I don't want you climbing up the ladder. I want you climbing down the ladder. And when you get to the very bottom of the ladder, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a towel. And I want you to pick that towel up. And I want you to do what I've done for you. Because don't miss the promise that Jesus shares with these guys. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you've seen what I've done, you understand what I'm trying to tell you. You'll be blessed if you follow my example. Now we live in a world of ladder climbers, right? Who in their right mind what ladder climber would pick up a towel, throw it over his shoulder, and say, what can I do for you today? How can I help you? How can I serve you today? Nobody does that. <laughs> Nobody except Jesus. And Jesus expects us to follow his lead. Jesus says, in this community, in my kingdom, there's no climbing there's no comparing, comparing, comparing. <laughs> That's the word. There's no competition. There's just a bunch of towel bearers. But I think Jesus knew how hard it was for us ladder climbers to give up the ladder. I think he understood that because, hey, the ladder's addictive. It's really hard to get off the ladder by yourself. The good news is Jesus specializes in pulling ladders down. And he specializes in helping us turn around and start climbing the ladder the right way down to servanthood. So, the question that I'm going to leave us with, the question that we really need to be asking ourselves is, how am I going to define success? How am I going to define success? Do I want it to all be about the ladder? I mean, do I want to continue struggling up this ladder, the ladder of my finances or my job or you know, my physical gifts or my academic achievements. There's all kind of ladders. I don't know what ladder you're dealing with. Do I want my life to be about the ladder? Or do I want my life to be about the towel? Do I want the world to say, hey, congratulations, you made it up here with us. Hold on tight because people are going to try to knock you off. Or do I want Jesus to say, congratulations, you made it all the way down to the bottom with me. Grab a towel. Let's go help someone. Do I want the world to say, congratulations, you made it? Or do I want Jesus to say, well done? Good and faithful servant. Listen, God made the decision that He was going to change the world with towel bearers. And He started with Jesus. And now He's invited us into this adventure. And He said, 
I want you to do what Jesus has done. In fact, you'll be blessed if you do it. Now, grab a towel. Let's go serve someone. Let's pray. Father, we get really confused sometimes about what success looks like. And we listen to all the wrong people when it comes to trying to define what winning looks like. Would you remind us of Jesus' example who did not consider equality with you something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Father, would you pull us off that ladder, hand us a towel, and help us to serve like Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Hey, if you're watching online with us this morning, thanks for being with us. Um, maybe there's something going on in your life that you could really use the prayers of someone who cares about uh, connecting people with Jesus. Uh, there'll be a link on the screen, or you can go to the Bay Area Church of Christ webpage, and there's several links there. Again, you can be as uh, anonymous as you want to be, but you can ask for prayers. You can ask to speak to someone uh, directly, um, and, and we will act on those requests. For those of us in the auditorium this morning, uh, before we leave, there'll be some instructions on if, if you would like to, to have an elder uh, praying with you or, or speaking with you about something that's going on in your life. We'll have that opportunity as well. Uh, we're going to sing another song as we get ready to share uh, the Lord's Supper together. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou my ransom be.
morning, church family. As we open our hearts and are preparing to come before the Lord's table, we think about why we're here, what brought us all together here. And as we consider Christ's sacrifice for each of us, I want to share three passages of scripture for our consideration. And as these passages are read, just think in the words, what they mean to us individually. And also consider the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for each of us. First passage of scripture is taken from John 3.16, a very familiar passage to all of this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Second passage of scripture is taken from Romans chapter eight, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake you are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last scripture is taken from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, for hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. As we consider these scriptures and what God has done for us, we're encouraged and I encourage us not to be drawn away from the love of God because the scriptures tells us nothing can separate us from God's love. Only we can do that. I encourage us to stay in the word, always remembering what God has done for us day by day, and to be drawn closer to him. Let us go to God in prayer. 
Our God and our Father, we are so thankful for you being such an awesome God that you loved us before we were even born. You knew us and you continue to know us and you continue to love us and continue to forgive us. For sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we can be lifted up to become your sons and your daughters. Father God, help us to remember that and help us to be always drawn close to you day by day and not to be drawn away by the things of this world. We thank you for your son's sacrifice. We thank you for your love for us. And we pray, Heaven Father, as we remember that sacrifice of Jesus this morning, that we will be everlastingly grateful and appreciative. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. As we prepare to give back of the many blessings that God has blessed us with, I want to read from a passage of scripture taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And we understand that God gave, gave us our very his very best, his son Jesus Christ. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be a deposit of that promise that he gave to us of everlasting life. And we in turn want to show our appreciation and our love to God by giving our very best. As we consider that and the offering that we are about to, uh, to give, let's go to God in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much for giving us the very best that you have. And as we consider our love to you, Heavenly Father, we pray that the gifts we are about to give this day to help further your gospel and kingdom, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we do so in a manner that's pleasing to you with a cheerful heart knowing that you continue to use all that we have for your purpose and your glory. We thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We serve an awesome God, amen? Amen. And it's good to remember that it's um, our service to him and to this entire world that can change it.
for the better. And I hope that we all remember um, really truly just how great God is for us. I know sometimes it's hard to put a smile on your face um, or maybe you're smiling behind the mask as I think some people are now. Um, but we have to remember that as we go out in this world because we're carrying that hope that's with us, that hope in Christ. And remembering songs like this, Awesome God, should really help with that. So let's go ahead. Can we stand for this song, please, guys? I've been here several times, and I, and I haven't even asked that Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with the wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with the wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God, our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love, our God is an awesome God, our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and God. 